I'm Jeffrey Rickman. I'm the pastor at Nelwada United Methodist Church, and I do interviews from time to time with different people in the area with hopes that we can just build up the community of Nelwada and help the people there and serve as a good uh, representative witness for Jesus Christ and the Wesleyan tradition. And today I'm really happy to sit down with Reverend Dr. Jim Dunn, who is the president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. You guys call it Oakwoo, don't you? OKWU, that's right, Oakwoo. And we're sitting down in the uh, La Quinta Mansion over here, which uh, is quite nice. If you haven't ever been over here, you need to come walk through these historic halls originally built by Foster. What was his? H.V. Foster. H.V. Foster, an yeah. oil tycoon who just built this amazing house uh, ostensibly to give Great Depression workers something yeah. to do. But it is a nice place to be. Thank you for having us in your office. That's great to have you guys here. and. Looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, you uh, you are universally liked by everyone who meets you. Uh, you're you're filling the shoes of it was Everett Piper, right? Uh -huh. Doctor Everett Piper, who was also very respected in uh -huh. the, the area, and um, you're a different person than him. Mm -hmm. But same uh, theological heritage, mm -hmm. uh, same student body and facilities to work with, and um, well, perhaps I I didn't ask you this before we turned on, but how many? Um, do you have any idea how many no people from Nowata end up attending school here on an annual basis? Yeah, there have been a few. Uh, I don't know what our current count is right now, but um, from time to time, uh, schools like Nowata, uh, Pahuska, uh, we have a, a few students from um, Oklahoma Union uh, in that area right now. Sure. Uh, a couple from Bonita. So, there are a few that come from the vicinity of the university here, which is, you know, something that should be natural, should be, should be something that's normal. Well, it should be, yeah, and that's why I, it made sense to me to, to sit down with you, because this is the closest liberal arts college mm -hmm. to Nowata. This is just in Bartlesville. I was able to drive over here, what was it, 25 minutes? Really not a far drive at all. Yeah. It's real easy to commute if you live in Nowata. Uh, it's a beautiful campus to live on. Mm -hmm. uh, I would like to think that, that my kids will think about coming here in the future, especially because it's not just a liberal arts college, but it's explicitly religious. Yep. I, I, I went to a Methodist-founded liberal arts college, but it was not explicitly religious. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to chapel there maybe four times wow. in four years. Yeah. yeah. It was a uh, a pretty debaucherous place. Mm. I, I fell very f far away from God in that setting. Uh, the impression I get here is that you all take your Christian heritage and identity very seriously. We do. Not every student who comes here is a Christian. Mm -hmm. And so we see it as a mission field as well to evangelize and to introduce students to the optimistic grace that even Wesley would promote back in the day. and. Um, that no one's outside of the grip of God and that we have the opportunity to introduce students to Christ. And so while our students may be on that journey, our leaders, we actually uh, screen that door really well. And uh, the interview process actually stops with me and I want to know who they are. I want to know about their faith in Jesus. I want to know um, what they think about Scripture and who's the authority in their lives. And I want to know if they care about students or if they just care about themselves. So every faculty member, every head coach, and every director comes through me and it's a thumbs up or thumbs down. It's, it makes it sound like I'm the meanest person ever, but I actually do it because I'm a dad. 
And now I'm a grandpa and I care who influences my kids. Mm -hmm. And I'm not in every classroom, not on every road trip. And I want to know who is teaching and what they're teaching mm -hmm. and what is their basis of authority. And so if it's themselves, that interview um, doesn't go very well and right. they usually are not hired. And if it really is a genuine faith and respect for the Lordship of Christ in their life and a high view of scripture mm -hmm. and a great care for students of what we're here for and helping them to get on the straight and narrow, then uh, that usually gets a thumbs up. They've already been checked out, mm -hmm. right? Their credentials, their records, whatever, have been all checked out mm -hmm. and then they come to me and if they decide to be somebody that we're not after we hire them, we don't keep them. And I literally tell the students, even when they come in to, to visit the school, these details of how we guard that door for who's influencing these students mm -hmm. while they're here. And um, I tell them I'm, I'm their dad, mm -hmm. not to creep them out or anything, but sure. I'm their dad until yeah. they need gas money. And then I'm, I'm, no, I'm no longer your dad. So. Well, in the, in the Methodist, the United Methodist tradition, when we're ordained, uh, the words said over us are, take thou authority. Yeah. And um, within the Christian heritage, you know, in America, it's not very popular to have or wield authority. Right. But uh, when you're talking about the household of God, mm -hmm. we are given authority to wield in a godly way to, to, to be uh, honoring of the image of God and others and to bring them closer as best we can That's right. to the Lord, uh, not coercively, but invitationally, mm -hmm. which yeah. I, I hear and see all that in you. And as, you know, as you're talking through these other details uh, as a father and as a member of society, I, I, I often feel concern at institutions that um, have to guard against ideological takeover, Absolutely. especially with the academy. Mm -hmm. It just seems like a, this uh, inexorable tendency of a lot of institutions to um, uh, foster sympathies towards wokeism yep. and um, the culture wars. And uh, it, what I hear you saying is that you are uh, a guardian of mm -hmm. a, not a safe place, but a rigorous and authentic and... Um, uh, good and holy place in which people can not just grow in their academic capacities, but grow as uh, God's image bearers. Absolutely. That, that ambassadorship that you're talking about that we're created to be mm -hmm. in the image of Christ is something that's so cardiac mm -hmm. for teaching and learning today. And we'll have tough conversations. We'll, mm -hmm. we'll have conversations about what's going on in society. We'll We'll have conversations about uh, ethnic diversity and um, the fact that a third of our student body is not white. Sure. Yeah. And Just driving in, we saw a number of people. You would, you would assume that an explicitly Christian institution, if yeah. you turn on the news and you work with stereotypes, must be a bunch of white privileged people. Yeah. Uh, but to drive in, it's just uh, normal young people that look like they come from all walks of life. Yeah. And, and they're all made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we teach that and emphasize that. And there are some things I get asked once in a while, you know, do you guys teach CRT at your school? And, yeah. I, and, and one person really dug in on me recently in Kansas where I was speaking at a church and had the stereotype that every Christian university was going, you know, way off the deep end on sure. things. Yeah. And, and I finally, I, I have my limits sometimes in conversations, mm -hmm. which isn't always helpful. But anyway, I just said, you're right, we do. And they said, I knew it. I said, oh, wait, wait, we teach Christ redemption theory. Oh, I'm all sure the he time, thought that was hilarious. Right? Yeah. yeah, no, he stormed out the door. <laughs> so I'll never be back to that church. But regardless, 
it's, it's something that we have 18 different countries represented in our student body. We have 28 different states mm -hmm. in our student body right now, this fall. And there are people that come in with all kinds of different thoughts. But as far as what we're going to teach and yeah. lead the conversation, it's going to be Bible-centered. It's going to ultimately result in God's truth and also confront what the society or culture is saying is true or normalized to be not anti-culture, but yeah. counter-culture sure. is the posture that we take. And so you, you've talked about the kind of standards that you hold for your staff, yeah. which is how you do that gatekeeping of making sure that, that there is an ideological drift. Yeah. If I heard that as a student that didn't know much, yeah. I would maybe be intimidated by that. Yeah. Um, what standards do you have for students at the front end? What, what kind of things are you looking, hoping to see in, in candidate students? Yeah, so obviously there has to be some indication that they can succeed in academic rigor. Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot of schools right now that will basically not screen anything. This is a big investment and oftentimes something that requires something similar to buying a car or some maybe buying a house. Mm -hmm. It depends on how hard a student wants to work, how many scholarships they can qualify for. So we want them to succeed and college isn't for everyone. Right. So that's one thing that we look at. We obviously have behavioral expectations for any student regardless of what their walk with Christ is or not. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have co-ed dorms, we don't allow contraband, we don't allow the things of uh, sin that the scriptures would describe as far as behavior goes, and they sign a covenant to say they won't participate or promote, which is another big key because mm -hmm. there's so many things in social media right now, sure. and we don't police it necessarily, but right. if we find it, we will tell a student to take that post down, yeah. and it's just not who we are. Sure. If they want to continue on in you know their own behavior and want to ignore the rules, mm -hmm. which by the way includes they have to go to chapel, they get a certain amount of skips, but we have chapel twice a week, so yeah. so you wouldn't have graduated from here if you yeah. only went four times, right? right? Yeah. But, but anyway, um, they can make it up in different ways, but we want the spiritual influence in their lives, regardless of what they think about it, because mm -hmm. of who we are, not sure. because of what they want, sure. but because of who we are. And many kids find Christ here. And um, we tell them we have a lot of fun. We just don't think you need a lot of extra stuff to have fun in. Sure, yeah. yeah. And so we're trying to create a safe place and a stable place for yeah. students to thrive and get their education, have a lot of fun doing it, enjoy their college years, make great friendships. I get asked once in a while, do people break the rules? The answer is yes. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And not all of the disciplinary thing. If they come to my desk, it's a bad case of whatever we have to deal with, right? But the reason I know that students break the rules is because I went to school here back in 1984. I was a freshman. So um, I know people, I wish to say that I wasn't one of them that broke a rule or two then. Uh -huh. I'm pretty sure they still do because they're 18 and they're uh -huh. curious. Sure, yeah. Um, they keep doing it and they're warned. Uh, we try to be gracious, but if they continue to throw their nose at the rules, then they won't be a student here. Right. And we, we censor that. We control that. And it's something that we're trying to create, again, that safe, stable place for people to succeed. Yeah, there is such a thing as a social fabric. Yep. Um, and the behaviors of one affect uh, the well-being of another. So to, to take right. that uh, seriously and, and with sobriety is uh, what you would hope as a parent that school administrators would do. Yeah. 
Um, although it does mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking back to my, I'm 38 now. It would have been 20 years ago that I was looking at going to college. Yeah. I can't believe I'm that old. Yeah. And I would have listened to you talking just now and gone, it must be so lame there. <laughs> I, that's, I, I wanted to drink. I wanted to chase women. Um, but now I really wish I'd gone to an institution mm. here because I would have been able to focus on more important things that would have formed me much more readily into, a, a, if not a godly man, yeah. then at least a, a functioning yeah. uh, man who knew how to be an adult. Um, that's a great, we... great point. And, and I, just to tag on to that a little sure. bit, once in a while I'll get a comment that says, well, since you're a Christian university and you know, you're not as big as OU and OSU and TU and Arkansas and whatever, um, you must not be very good, mm -hmm. right? Or the quality isn't there. I don't and, follow that logic. Yeah. Well, sometimes they think bigger is better. Uh -huh. And so actually, um, you know, we have different uh, disciplines and programs that people can get into with obviously a school of ministry and mission if somebody's called to that. We have a school of business that's ranked as the number one business school in the state of Oklahoma. We didn't do the survey. Wow. Right? Uh, it's, we I think that's a pretty, uh, have you ever heard that before? I've never heard yeah. that before. That's that's a good it's secret to spread around. Pretty yeah. amazing. We have a school of nursing that's ranked as the second best in the state of Oklahoma. And so we rank really highly and, and we don't do the surveys. You know, how Is you, it all undergrad degrees or is there any master's? So we have master's and uh, doctoral degrees do that you? we offer. We do. In, yeah. what, in what subjects? Uh, we have two doctoral degrees. They're brand new in the last year. And one is a doctorate in nursing practice, and the other one is a doctorate of business administration. Okay. And so um, we have masters in those areas as well, as well as master of education and lots of different programs that somebody could engage with. Can you do a master of divinity here? Uh, not yet. Okay. Not yet. Okay. So uh, we did have a master's uh, in arts in ministry uh -huh. and uh, have reset that and are looking at bringing something back in in the ministry area. How, but, um, what percentage of the student body is uh, undergrad? Uh, in all in, probably uh, about two-thirds okay. would be undergrad. That's what I would, okay. Yeah. And then we're, before the cameras turned on, I was getting clear on the, the size of the student body. 1,200 yep. total? 1,200 total. And then and about two-thirds of that is, is on-site, and then about a third is online? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So you have a robust online program as well, which is very important to some people. We do, yeah. And, and we, we have that opportunity for bachelor's degrees, mm -hmm. associate's, bachelor's degrees. Um, but we're really working in all of our master's degrees as well as doctoral degrees to mm -hmm. be completely online. Sure. So they're accessible to anyone, anywhere, uh, at any time. And we do have a few master's degrees that are on ground. Um, it's kind of a unique rule that most people don't know about, and it's a 9-11 rule. So our international students, if they're working on a degree, have to take 50% of their courses on ground. Okay. That happened after 9-11 with the terrorists that uh, participated that day in that yeah. tragedy. They were all online students. Nobody knew where they were at, couldn't track them. So there's a governmental law that an international student has to take 50% of their courses on ground. I did not know that. Yeah, that's true. That's a 9-11 rule. Interesting. It is. Well, we're uh, the reason I came is specifically for no WADA students. And we don't have a big youth program at, at my church. However, uh, I am very concerned about the youth in no WADA. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a, it's a town of 3,000. 
used to be a big oil town. The oil left. The, the economy's not great there. The vast majority of students, as I understand them, are from uh, households that would be lower to middle income, not necessarily high academic aspirations. Um, one, one passion I have is that young people stay in their towns and make their towns better. Uh -huh. But if all you ever know is your little town, yeah. then I think you're really limited in, in so, insofar as how much you can benefit your town. So it makes sense to me to push a lot of kids to entertain a liberal mm -hmm. arts degree in education here. Mm -hmm. um, but they're battling, that, that's a big cultural, uh, even though it's only 20 miles away, there's a big cultural barrier Absolutely. between no water and what they would encounter here. So what kind yeah. of things do you think would be helpful for a student that's been brought up in a small town that doesn't necessarily have the self-esteem to consider something like this. Yeah. Surely there are some that would benefit from stepping in here. Uh -huh. And what do you think would be helpful for them to hear if, if for some reason they're watching this interview? Yeah. I am gonna try and push, if you are watching this in Nowata and you know a youth <laughs> that would benefit from this conversation, I want you to listen to this, his answer, and then I want you to consider promoting this, just spreading this around because we wanna benefit the youth together. So. I'm gonna stop talking. What do you think is good for them to hear? Yeah, so I grew up in a family that valued education and I've never worked for a school before now. So that's something that's Right, important. you were a pastor. That's right, yeah. I was a pastor, a denominational leader in the Wesleyan Church and uh, felt compelled to consider this, know I'm called to be here. It's kind of weird for me because I was a student here. I pulled pranks in this office on the president <laughs> when I was a student and so I deserve every prank I ever get. But. I, I value education so much because of the development of the person. Mm -hmm. And in a liberal arts setting, it really takes a look at the whole person. It's a very Wesleyan model of looking at your mind and also your heart. And then we throw in things like um, servanthood, your hands and habits, meaning spiritual fruit. Mm -hmm. um, it really is something that you know, if, if, if someone hasn't had that in their family, mm -hmm. I'm really grateful for generations ago where somebody in my heritage went to school. My grandfather had a master's degree when it was unheard of and, you know, studying during the depression. It was just unheard of to be able to do that and to invest in that. And um, my parents valued education. I'm the youngest of six. So why would it be valuable for somebody in Nowata, let alone anywhere? First of all, that first generation, you know, first family member, we have students like that here right now. So you're gonna find community immediately with a small town, never have been to college, first kind of adventure for the whole, for the whole line of family. I mean, I'm talking about generation after generation. You're saying that's a normal uh, thing here. It is something that happens here quite a bit. Yeah. And I was just talking to a student this morning who's graduating in December and she'll be the first college graduate in both sides of her family ever, wow. Wow. ever. And she was just smiling because she knows how much that's benefited her, how much it stretched her, how much it's readied her for her career. Mm -hmm. And it's something that essentially you can be a part of something that's bigger than you and maybe even bigger than some of the thoughts that your family's had or your community has had. Mm -hmm. and. So it doesn't mean you have to leave your town necessarily. You can always go back and contribute and yeah. continue to you know, be a part of the solution to help things thrive again. Mm -hmm. But it is something where um, finding that community, finding commonality, finding friends that are in the same boat that you are, and then 
the thing that we offer as a Christian liberal arts university at our size, we're not the smallest by far, we're not the biggest by far, is that we value relationships. And it's really the shape of the cross. It might sound trite to somebody, but it genuinely drives everything we do. And that's our relationship with Christ, the vertical of the cross, and then our relationship with each other. And you'll find people that care about you here, that want you to succeed, that are gonna push you, not off the cliff, but push you to be successful mm -hmm. and to learn and stretch and believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, so much of an education is perseverance and also just continuing to stretch and figuring out that you can actually do it and improve yourself and be ready to be successful in your calling and your career. Mm -hmm. And it's a game changer right. in life. You know, in, in the Gospels, um, I've often taught about the societal lift that Jesus brought with him. Lift? Lift. Okay. Yeah. So lifting society, lifting women, lifting children, lifting the value of people that were really outcast in mm -hmm. the first century culture. And, uh, you know, even getting over into the Greek mythology, uh, not mythology, methodology of education mm -hmm. and opening that up so that you, it's not anti-Semitic, but if you were a Jewish male, you could be educated. Mm -hmm. Jesus blew that system out of the water and began to teach everyone and value everyone. And that kind of thing lifts a society. It puts you on a different level. Not to be an elitist, but to be somebody who can contribute back into that society and make it better. Right. And influence it for the good, hopefully for the good of the kingdom mm -hmm. of Jesus. And an education should do that. You know, we should have not only hearts on fire for God, but, but minds on fire. Some of, the, some of the people in patristics and Christianity have used that kind of metaphor mm -hmm. that our minds should be on fire for God, minds sold out for God, right. and continuing to increase that capacity that God's given us to learn, and then to be able to teach others with that. And so, so hypothetically, of, there's a, a student, perhaps multiple students in Nowata, mm -hmm that perhaps have been looking at a state institution, perhaps have not even been sure if they want to go to college, but for some reason they watch a video of a local pastor talking with the president of a liberal arts college, and what I'm wanting them to imagine is potentially stepping outside of their comfort zone, mm -hmm. coming into this sphere that is designed to build them up as a person, whether or not they're even a believer, just to trust that this system wants to bring out the best in them and build them up in a way, provide a space for a few years mm -hmm. where they can intentionally be encouraged and pushed. Yeah. And then in particular, what I want to see, I think NOWATA needs local businesses to intentionally create a local. So it makes sense to entertain a business degree at the number one business college mm -hmm. uh, in, in our state and then go back to NOWATA mm -hmm. and help redeem their town, help turn it around so that after oil left, after Walmart left, they yeah. can create something that is, is good for generations to come. Yeah. Is that something that sounds like a realistic dream for a, a person from Nowata? Absolutely, so another survey that we didn't know we were in. <laughs> so people are analyzing your stats and your data all the time sure, yeah. and doing projects and research, whatever. Um, about three years ago, there was a, um, a survey nationwide. What, what is the most successful school to help their students, their graduates, be able to keep a job 10 years later and add to their community. 
So they named one university per state. So Alabama was Auburn. Uh, Texas was UT Austin, I think. California was, I think, Cal Poly, uh, Polytech. Oklahoma was Oklahoma Wesleyan University. Is that so? It's right. And I was new here, and I called some of our leaders uh, that might have been here longer and said, is this, is this, like, is this made up? Is this, is this legit? Is yeah. it real? And they said, we don't know. And we did a little research on it, and it really was a legitimate survey. Do you all have like a real strong alumni network or something that helps each other thrive? We do. We're not sure how they did the survey. Uh -huh. uh, we haven't always been great and stellar at communicating with our alumni. That's yeah. improving all the time mm -hmm. and has been for a number of years. But it's something that, um, you know, just, just taking a look at some of the data, some of the research, mm -hmm. and knowing that somebody can be successful in getting a job and, you know, because the, the value proposition of college right now, period, mm -hmm. is there are a lot of people, a lot of popular people saying it's not worth it. Right. And yet we can prove data that you can be successful in getting a job. Our students are very successful of getting into grad school, even medical school. Uh, we had a student here that graduated last year that went into ophthalmology, eye, mm -hmm. uh, doctor stuff, and they, there was one school, best in the nation, they take 10 per year. He got in first try, first time, mm -hmm. and is one of those 10. Uh, amazing that mm -hmm. that would come out of here. But that kind of training takes place here. The MCAT was a piece of cake for him, and he smoothed right into this best eye school, eye doctor school in the country. Our nursing students have a 10-year track record right now on passing their state boards wherever they go. Mm -hmm. uh, first attempt, first time, 100% in the last 10 years. And so, you know, the success, and, and, and these are students sometimes that come in wondering if they're going to make it. Right. But that success and being able to contribute and be gainfully employed and go back to their communities or wherever God calls them to, it's, it's off the chart. There's also another piece of data that we have that, um, you know, when people talk about what's it worth and what will I have to invest and am I going to have to go into debt and is it affordable and a, a private school, you know, is, is more expensive than a state school. Sometimes it is, but we work really hard on scholarships and making it affordable. We don't want students to go into a bunch of debt. Sometimes mm -hmm. they do, mm -hmm. but it's also an investment. When you're a college graduate from Oklahoma Wesleyan compared to a not going to school in our region, mm -hmm. we've done some research and study on this, you'll make $10,000 more on average per year than somebody who doesn't go to college. And so not only is it a stable place mm -hmm. and a Christ-honoring place, uh, those values we hold very dearly, but also it's a place to be successful and to be gainfully employed. Mm -hmm. And somebody hasn't ripped all of your, you know, moral sense and biblical worldview and what have you. Hopefully we've invested in that, not right. ripped it out of you when you went to college. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's just, it's, we're living in a time where uh, institutions, uh, academic institutions are sitting on so much money. Yeah. And, uh, you know, generations before, place such a priority on it, and yet um, the quality of an average degree uh, seems to me, I mean, I listen to the type of people that do say, uh, on average, a lot of college degrees are a waste of time. And I can yeah. say, uh, where I went, 
and I'm not going to say their their name, but I'll tell you the 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 motto they had was unto the whole person. It was tus andron teleon, mm. and um, I I thought it was so weird whenever I learned that because they never talked about making well-rounded people out of mm. us, and they sure never talked about uh, any godliness or um, mm. or making us good citizens. It was more mm. you know we're we're academically rigorous, and we're going to teach you how to be. And uh, the only thing I was really rigorous at was uh, drinking two or three mm. nights a week. Mm. And, um, and that's really because it's, it's clear to me that that institution began with similar hopes and dreams to be a place like Okwu, yeah. where you're intentionally pursuing that and owning that. And it's not a joke. Yeah. It's something that is your daily reality and culture here. And I just think it's a real tragedy that not more institutions are able to, to talk about these things with a straight face. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah. I'm pleased. Yeah. You know, <laughs> to learn one of, about you. yeah, one of the great great gifts to me as the president of this school is something that Dr. Piper actually put in place uh, well before I came here, years before. And it's it's the they call them we call them the four pillars of the university and it's a focus on Christ and scripture and truth and wisdom all in a biblical centered context. And um that was something that was quizzed of me by the trustees. Mm -hmm. They valued that. I valued that. It was a good match. Um, but that was already in place. And yet you have to guard that. You have to continue to uphold those things mm -hmm. and make decisions on those core values, those pillars of who we are, and then help students understand that as well. And what's a lot of fun for us and for me personally is to see a student rise to uh, the gospel instead of you know wondering what the gospel is but accepting that mm -hmm. and claiming Jesus as Lord repenting of sin seeing that their lives transformed uh, we we did um, at homecoming this year we had a group of students that wanted to be baptized we did that with all of our alum back we had about 600 here for homecoming it was a great celebration wow. yeah. we launched a capital campaign we did everything that weekend and um, we asked in the audience, is there anybody else that wants to be baptized? So seven were baptized and the young man gave his heart to Christ right there. And we've discipled him since to tell him, you know, this is what happened at baptism, whether he knew it or not. He just came out of the audience and said, I want to be baptized, fully clothed and went into the baptismal. And uh, that was just a great celebration. We exist to advance the kingdom of Jesus. We happen to use education and athletics and arts to do that. Mm -hmm. Those are tools. Yeah. That's not why we exist. We exist to advance the kingdom of Jesus. Well, and a lot of people, depending on how they're enculturated, would, would go, this is an academic institution, not a church. And yeah. these two things really don't mix. But mm -hmm. if you know the history of education, you actually know that, that theology was for hundreds of years considered the queen of the sciences, that, right. that all knowledge points towards God because the truth is one. That's right. And so it is not Christians. You know, if I, if I had been an, uh, an ungodly, worldly person who just listened to you, I would have interpreted your words as saying, oh, they're just using all, this cloud, all these resources they have to try and indoctrinate people. Mm. And that's not the case. The case is that you are acknowledging Christ's lordship Mm -hmm. um, as creator, redeemer, sustainer, author of salvation. He's the one who created all this stuff. So yeah. with no shame whatsoever, you offer these things along with the author who 
who created them yep. um, without without separating the creator from the creation. Right. And so that's that's nothing manipulative. That's actually uh, well, probably the most loving and honest way to do education. Yeah. It's, ever. It's the created order, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, our brains to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. Mm -hmm and strength that's that's that holistic creative order and so that belongs to god and so once in a while even in a capital campaign that we just launched uh, which is just an enormous goal for us um, to be able to improve and thrive as a university somebody will ask me oh so it's about money right it's like no no i mean it does involve money mm -hmm. you don't operate an institution at this size on just a few dollars sure, yeah. right i mean Inflation hits us, the cost of goods hits us. I mean, it's, it's crazy how much money it takes. But uh, I'll remind people all the time, it's not primarily about money, that's part of it. It's about influence. Mm -hmm. And how many lives can we influence? We don't brainwash anybody. We lay it on the table and let them decide. Mm -hmm. And that's what the gospel's about. Right, yeah, well, and if, you're really, if your long-term goal is to make authentic disciples of Jesus Christ, then you gain nothing by brainwashing someone because right. that's not the stuff that lasts. The stuff exactly. that lasts is, is not coercive. It's, it's stuff that people willingly uh, submit themselves to. That's and exactly the case right. for that is made not by coercion, but by loving invitation, yeah. um, which it sounds like um, the, the culture I grew up in, Christians were kind of ashamed to make an invitation or anxious to make an invitation. Mm -hmm. They carried anxiety about it or uh, kind of the feeling that um, <laughs> that people weren't interested, you mm -hmm. know, but uh, you really get this wonderful setting where this is a Christian institution. Yeah. You're here, you've you've signed up to be here. Yeah. Uh, let's let's do what you've signed up to yeah. do here. Yeah. Um, and you might not know what, what, what that looks like, but let me lead you. Right. And I'm sure there are some that get to the end of the process and they say no, but sure. that's always been the nature of uh, the Christian faith. There are some people that God is not calling, but mm -hmm. you can't say we didn't uh, tell them. We that's didn't, right. We didn't offer the invitation. That's right. That's, that's actually, um, I don't know what it's going to be like when you uh, actually... Uh, are quizzed to get into heaven mm -hmm. and to meet the master. Um, but I don't want anyone, so, so I have this really weird dream and I don't, I don't think it's true. It's just something in my brain that mm -hmm. I have dreamt it before. You have your final judgment? Yeah, it's, okay. well also just waiting to get into heaven. So, sure. so there's one line that you're gonna give an account for everything you said and taught for mm -hmm. all the pastors, teachers out there. Right? I'm going to be in that line. Mm -hmm. I don't want anybody in the other line, in the listener line, mm -hmm. to point over to me and say, why didn't you tell me? Right, yeah. Why didn't you tell me about Jesus? Yeah, that's my, that's my fear. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to do everything that I can in the days that God gives me to influence people for the kingdom of Jesus. And so that could be somebody that comes here from Noada or Prohaska or from literally around the world mm -hmm. to play a sport. Fine. The sport is the tool to open the door for us to be able to share the gospel. Right, yeah. Well, you and I come from a similar, well, almost the exact same theological heritage, uh, Wesleyan, Methodist, yep. uh, all, all centered out of the Methodist revival, uh, mm -hmm. of which John Wesley was the primary figure. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I would enjoy talking about a lot of that with you. Before I turn that direction and want to hear your thoughts on the United Methodists and our current conundrum, maybe, 
maybe we won't go that way. <laughs> I've been reading this book by uh, Pete Hegseth, who is uh, a contributor on Fox News, but the, the book is called Battle for the American Mind. Mm. And he makes the case that across the West, for centuries, well, really millennia, uh, the, the only model of education was what is termed the Western Christian paideia. Paideia mean, uh, meaning cultural method by which uh, we, mm -hmm. we foster mm -hmm. personhood mm -hmm. um, through an educational system, whatever exists. And he associates that with uh, what today would be called the classical Christian uh -huh. um, educational model. He says that was supplanted starting in the 19th century with a different paideia, the progressive paideia, which uh, began in Germany but was focused not on creating whole persons that could think critically, but creating good workers for the Industrial Revolution. Mm. And then what's, what's taken over in recent years would be a neo-Marxist paideia, mm -hmm. which is um, based on perpetual revolution, mm -hmm. uh, destruction of institutions and hierarchy, and uh, intentional uh, deactivation of our critical faculties. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm finding myself really interested in what, Hegseth doesn't write as an academic person. He writes as a person who is concerned about the Christian faith, although I'm not sure he's a model Christian, personally. Um, but I'm very intrigued in this notion that uh, up until recently, education was uniformly seen as an intentional fostering of the whole person, not just the academic faculties. Mm -hmm. um, how much of that seems like reality to you? How much of that sounds like a good aspiration? How much of, of your hunger and desire for education is a rebuke of common educational models seen across the West today? Um, how, how, and if you think this is completely boring, you don't even have to talk about it at all. Oh, but I've, just, I've been reading this book and I feel like a fish out of water because I really don't know much about the history of education. Or... Yeah. So, so I, I may not have you know, the holistic kind of answer here, but I'll give you my perspective. Please, yeah. It's, it's something that actually um, uh, was revealed uh, in, in a quick thought in the courtroom of Washington County, Oklahoma this summer. So I was chosen as a juror in the state of Oklahoma. Fine, yeah. Yeah. Who knew that a conservative, biblical, constitutional American would be chosen to be on a jury? Yeah. Right? yeah. But I spent three days of my life in this jury trial. It was a murder-for-hire trial. Nobody got murdered. Nobody got hired. It was just a debacle. And um, I saw First Corinthians played out in the courtroom, literally. And it was amazing. And... So in the quizzing of the jurors, the quester of the, the jury, um, the, the, the uh, defense attorney uh, zeroed in on me because you have to fill out a profile. And sure. he said, um, so I see you work at a university. Are you a teacher? I said, no. He said, are you the janitor? I don't know how those two got to put together. But anyway, I said, no. He said, well, what do you do there? I said, well, I'm the president. And he kind of did a cartoon, you know, well, you're the president, you know, just kind of shocked as, as if that means anything. And, and um, I said, yeah. And he said, are you, you're at a Christian university, aren't you? I said, yeah. I mean, he's, I don't know where he's going, right? This is in front of the whole courtroom. They're just quizzing all of the jurors mm -hmm. that are in the pool. And um, he said, tell me something. What do you think is the biggest problem in society today? Mm -hmm. 
And I've thought about it and sure. I just decided to go for it. Maybe I'd be set free, you know, and they dismissed me off the jury. I uh -huh. said, this is what I said. I said, the biggest problem in society today is the worship of self. Okay, sure. To which the judge forgot to turn off her microphone and she said, ooh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so so it, it becomes kind of a point of view thing for me and this may not be a satisfactory answer, but for me, it's this position of authority. And is it me or is it God? Mm -hmm. And if it's not one of those two, then who is it and what is it? Because what we have going on in so many circles mm -hmm. is this, this pride, this hubris of, I'm gonna do whatever I want. Right. I'm gonna say whatever I want. I'm gonna learn whatever I want. I'm gonna have it my way, right? The old yeah. Burger King commercial, right? Sure, yeah. I'm gonna have it your way. And God is counter to that. And he's not anti you, he's not anti people. He created us, he's for us. Mm -hmm. But is it an obedience to God and his truth and his scripture, or is it an obedience to me? Mm -hmm. and, and, and if that's the case, then how are we gonna do that with each other? Because you're right and I'm right, and eventually the most powerful, the strongest is gonna win that Right, battle, exactly, it right? turns into power. That's right. So uh, it really becomes a point of view. Am I, am I over everything or mm -hmm. am I under everything, but mostly under God? Sure, under and, God, yeah. And that's, that's the key point to me on what point of view are you looking at this mm -hmm. from? If it's that you have to agree with everything, then I guess you're king and you're God, you're ruler, you're the judge of all truth and yeah. matter and whatever. Okay, people are doing that every day. This is what I think, right? Mm -hmm. Or is this something that actually comes in a created order from a biblical point of view that uh, is universal to every person because we are all created in God's image? Sure. So it's kind of like, is it's it that objective subjective thing? That's right. is, is there something outside of you that yeah. determines truth, reality, That's goodness, right. or are you the mediator and determiner of such things? In exactly. which case, um, by biblical definitions, you've made an idol out of yourself. That's right. And idolaters are not welcome in the kingdom. Right. So there, there is, a, um, and I, the, the place I started was a question about the educational mm -hmm. method model that we present. But Hexeth does focus on this very directly, saying the classical Christian model is under submission yep. to the Lord who speaks to objective, not subjective, objective truth that invites the, the individual subjects to, to participate in that, learn about that, um, foster the imprint of that in their lives. But the current model of education very much is um, something that fosters uh, a subjective, mm -hmm. well, he says neo-Marxist, mm -hmm. that results in a power politics, a, 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 yeah. a pull between people groups and individuals to claim power and authority over one another, which mm -hmm. is not going well. No. And it's never going to go well. No, that's exactly right. And, and we actually tell students here, even if they're a visiting student, I, I seriously am here for the next generation. Mm -hmm. I'm not here because, you know, it's a money thing. It's, I'm not here because I need a title. Mm -hmm. uh, students call me Jim. One of them called me Jimbo a couple of weeks ago. I, I told him we went too far. Yeah, that's a but little too I'm far. Not, I'm not from Tennessee, so uh -huh. I'm not doing Jimbo. I get a parking space. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that, yeah. None of that's worth it to me. Uh -huh. If students can get right with Christ mm -hmm. 
and then take the compassion they have for their fellow human beings, which is crazy compassionate right now. It's too much compassion, believe it or not, right? They, they don't have any standard because they've been taught tolerance on everything. You have to agree sure. with everything or allow everything. Uh -huh. Not helpful. No. But take the compassion they have and more than that, get right with Christ first and foremost. My wife and I think they can fix this world. Sure. And, you know, I know what the church says about young adults today. I know what the media says about them. They said the same thing about me when I was 18 as well. Different little, little bit of a different twist, but same conversation. Mm -hmm. And we believe in them and we want them to have this perspective that everything is in obedience or submission to God. Yeah. It's not into self-rule and whatever society says. Right. And this is, this is where we get so messed up. For example, we teach all the time about biblical justice. Mm -hmm. We don't teach about social justice because you've got then to define who creates the justice. Is sure. it society? Who's justice? That's right. If society sets it, that's what we're doing right now as a culture. How's yeah. that going? Right. Not very well. Yeah. If it's well, that's what they did in the Third Reich, and we, exactly, we know the direction that That's goes. exactly right. If it's biblical justice, yeah. then, then we've got a frame to work from, a foundation, an umbrella, however you want to present it, mm -hmm. that will guide that justice that everyone's made in the image of God. Everybody should be uh, treated fairly, and it's something that we'll have standards inside right. of that but we're not going to let society set what those standards are. Right, yeah. Well, there's, there's nothing we can do to put God in our debt nor to bend His will. Right. His, his, uh, so our only salvation lies in aligning our will with His, in our ways with His. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I said, sure, emphatically when you said you think the next generation can fix the world, and I instantly felt guilty because I am more of a pessimist than you. Yeah. Um, but um, I read Rod Dreher. Um, I forget his book, but he, he talked about um, he talks about how the West is in an, uh, a decline that it can't stop. Yeah. But the role that individual Christians can play and the church collectively can play is to form safe, not safe, godly places yeah. where human nobility can be protected and maintained. Mm -hmm. And that's a project I see myself as a part of, is figuring out those, those leaders, those institutions that are going to be able to stand against the tides of a culture that's set on self-destruction. Yeah. And I, I think in that sense, the church is the hope of the world. Yeah. I think we are going to be one of the only institutions. We, the Christian church, whether it right. be in university form or the, the actual church form, right. I think we're the only thing that's going to be preserving the image of God, the nobility of man against uh, the tides of what's coming. I hope I'm wrong, but um, if we don't even train up our young people, that's right. then our, our culture, our people, our, our children have no hope. So I, in that sense, you know, which is the only sense that matters, you're doing deeply holy work here. And so mm -hmm. thank you very much. Yeah, uh, Jim, for doing it's, that. It's an honor to do it, and um, it, it literally keeps me going every day. And uh, being able to see the maturity, as well as the transformation in lives. Um, and you know, even to a non-Christian student, when you tell them that, mm -hmm. when you tell them that you believe they can fix this world, they sit up straighter. They literally get a little teary in their eyes because, you know, so many people have written them off mm -hmm. and they don't even know if they believe in themselves. 
And so if I can carry the belief for them and, until they get it, then that's what I'm going to do every day. And somebody believed in me, and I'm going to try to do the best to, to keep that going. It's a good heritage. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk Methodism and Wesleyanism with you, and we do have the time, but I actually want to end on that note, and perhaps uh, just privately or maybe on another filmed occasion we can talk more about that. I, sure. I, I know I love the Wesleyan heritage, uh, and you do too. I do. Uh, but I, I think today this, this was just about uh, talking about uh, the wholeness of the person in, in light of God's mm -hmm. truth and how you're a part of that and how this institution is a part of it. And uh, yeah. I'd like to, to thank you and then I'd like to pray with you. That'd be great. And okay. it's our pleasure to be with you and to represent Christ here. Yes, sir. Yeah, thank you. Well, can I offer the blessing? Or Absolutely. Uh, Father, I, I would ask your blessing upon Jim as he continues to minister to the students here at Oklahoma Wesleyan University. I want to ask your blessing upon the student body here as they receive his ministry and the ministry of the staff here. Mm -hmm. I want to ask, Father, that you would help them to stand against uh, the cultural tides that um, are so alienating and dehumanizing, uh, that you would uh, continue to minister to every person who steps on campus here, that they would get a vision of themselves for who you've called them to be, mm. and that they would feel the power of truth mm -hmm. calling out to them in their lives. I pray that, um, that you would work in humble uh, people across this nation and across this world to be drawn to institutions that uh, have not been overcome by uh, ideologies that, um, hmm. that stand against you, but that your truth would ring out um, in this campus and other Christian campuses, and that you would also uh, help, help your church to remain firm throughout the world Amen. so that no matter what's coming, Father, that uh, different men and women of integrity would be leading and ministering to those who have ears to hear. So, Father, continue to bless Jim. Give him mm -hmm. a powerful and fruitful ministry here. Mm -hmm. And if it be your will, Father, we pray that there would be some students from Nowata that are, are called to be here and that they are a blessing to the world, particularly their, their originating town because of the blessings they receive here. Mm -hmm. Father, if it be your will, hear our prayers. You alone, our Lord, we are but your uh, servants. Mm -hmm. So give us humble hearts to follow and listen to where you're leading. Mm -hmm. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jim, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Yes, sir.